Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Shift Happens. I'm your host, Alana Brunel, and I'm joined here today by Todd Ellison. Todd, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Alana. Todd, give everyone a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, so I'm a solutions architect at Nile. I've been here for about a year. Prior to joining Nile, I spent 10 years in the reseller space, really kind of a consulting role, um, helping companies build their networks, build their security around their networks. Um, I read the, I led the uh, networking and security architecture team at that reseller. And then prior to that, I spent 15 years in the internet service provider, managed service provider space, dealing with customers kind of all over the Southeast, all over the country. Again, just really helping them build their networks from kind of the beginning of networking. So it's been a fun journey. I love that you said the beginning of networking because I think that's kind of setting a good stage for the conversation that I want to have with you today around zero trust. What is zero trust and what do people get wrong about zero trust? So let's start there. Can you give me a definition? What is zero trust, Todd? Yeah, so unfortunately, I think that the the definition of zero trust is is really muddy right now, and that's partially the industry's fault. Um, there, zero trust is a framework, and it's a framework that um, was come up with years ago to address um, a change in the way we approach security. So we used to, you know, way back in the day, we thought, you know, the bad guys are on the outside, the good guys are on the inside, and as long as I keep that you know, the bad guys on the outside, the good guys on the inside, then we'll be fine and, and we won't have any security breaches. But it turns out that the bad guys figured out ways to get onto the good guys' devices and, you know, the computers and the, the devices that they bring into the office every day. So Zero Trust is really a framework to address that, that, that we should not trust any device inherently just because it's connected to the network or even because it's a corporate device. Um, so you can look at different sort of papers that are out there, different research organizations that talk about Zero Trust. But when it comes down to it, it really is just that. I don't trust any device to be inherently good. Um, and so I control the devices that connect to my network. And then I specifically control the things that they are allowed to do on the network in order to make sure that they're only doing the things that need to be allowed for them to function, for them to do their jobs. And if they start to do something malicious, it should be blocked by default. Inherently, zero trust is a default position of not trusting anything that's that's connecting to the network. So what are people getting wrong? And I know we've had this conversation offline a little bit. People are muddying the waters when it comes to claiming that they have zero trust principles. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are people getting wrong? Yeah, so I guess there's a couple of things. And and one of the things that we didn't talk about offline is that it, lots of organizations, lots of manufacturers are kind of co-opting this zero trust um, naming convention or this idea that you know they have zero trust. And so first of all, zero trust is a default position. And so we um, some manufacturers are out there saying, oh, our version of zero trust is that first we allow the device to do whatever it's going to do. And then we figure out whether that's allowed or not. And then if it deviates from what it was allowed to do, then we alert on. That's not zero trust. That's learning what something is supposed to do. But by default, that thing is trusted, right? Because there's a learning period that you have to go through. So that's one thing, not really being um, precise enough in, in your zero trust architecture. That's a big one. But one that happened just a few years ago is this um, 
these products started coming out really during the pandemic um, called Zero Trust Network Access. And the idea for Zero Trust Network Access was we sent everyone home, but they still need access, secure access to their applications. Um, and their applications might be in a data center, it might be back at their office, it might be in a cloud somewhere. So this traditional virtual private network, remote connection back to the office concept really didn't work very well um, for that. So Zero Trust Network Access was, was invented sort of as a replacement to a VPN or a virtual private network. It's a software client that you install on your computer. It allows you remote connectivity back to, a, um, back to those, those devices. Unfortunately, because they use the term Zero Trust Network Access, what I saw was a lot of organizations went, oh, that's Zero Trust. I can buy Zero Trust now. And so they started you know, taking out their checkbooks. How do I go buy Zero Trust? Um, and that's not really, it's not really a full zero trust solution. It's a component of a zero trust solution. But when you have people coming back to the office, it's really not the best solution for users that are local, users back in the office. Software client, you have to install it on every machine. You've got other appliances you have to deal with. So, but anyway, that's they've taken this this zero trust concept, right? And a lot of organizations have have thought they could just buy zero trust, but when users come back to the office, it doesn't function quite as well. I want to touch on that a little bit. You said you know, a lot of organizations think that they have zero trust implemented and they, they necessarily don't. Do you have like an example, maybe a story around that? No, I, I don't think that there are a lot of organizations that that would say they have zero trust implemented. That's that's kind of the the problem, right? Is there's a there's a journey that you have to go along to get to true zero trust. And so there are a few organizations that have gotten um, a zero trust, gotten some of the zero trust concepts in place. A lot, I would say, have gotten zero trust concepts in place, but it's only pieces and parts because eventually what happens is they'll run into something that they didn't realize was coming, something that they didn't know was already going on on their network. So that's, I see organizations fail over and over again because they start down this zero trust path and they go, okay, we're going to restrict everything. Just the way that zero trust says, we're going to restrict everything to exactly what these devices need. Historically, we've had no visibility into what the applications are actually doing on the network and what these devices are actually doing on the network. And so we end up, you know, restricting it too much because we didn't have the visibility or, you know, it, trying to implement software clients to understand how all those things connect and how they operate. And that software client fails or, you know, it's it's a very, very complex thing to do. And I've only seen a few organizations really say that they have full zero trust implemented. And honestly, one of them put it to me perfectly, very large organization, their CIO, CIO told me, yes, we have full zero trust implemented. It took us five years to figure out how to do it. And there are two people on my staff that actually understand how it all works. And so when are those two people ever going to go on vacation, right? So that's, it's a big, big problem we're trying to solve here. Okay. So let's say we're approaching this and I'm in an organization, I obviously want my networks to be extremely secure. But right now I'm dealing with parts. I have pieces and parts of uh, zero trust. What is my solution? What do I do if I want this like kind of full stack capability that you're talking about? Is that like a pipe dream or is that something that's real that can be achieved? So traditionally, it would mean, first of all, just a ton of due diligence, like understanding every application on the network, everything that communicates with everything else, starting out with the most critical applications, the ones that either you know are required for the business to operate or that 
that hold the crown jewels. Um, so a lot of times it's starting there and kind of iterating and working your way out. That's why it takes so long because you just have to understand so much. So traditionally it would be that. And then in terms of products that you have to layer on, it's, you know, an authentication product. It is a network security product. It's a visibility product. It's usually all of these separate pieces and parts that you're buying. And by the way, even if you buy them from the same manufacturer, it's up to you to integrate them. It's up to you to, you know, build all of that at your site. So I would say prior to Nile, like building that yourself is a very, very difficult proposition. It just takes a really long time. Well, let's talk about it. Talk about the Nile solution, please, and how it's kind of a game changer when it comes to securing your networks. Oh, absolutely. So, so like I said, zero trust is a default position. And Networking historically has not been by default a security solution. It's been an access solution. Let me try to get these two things to talk to one another. So a lot of times why security and networking tend to be a little bit at odds because networking wants to give access. They want to allow things access and security wants to deny things access that are not, you know, supposed to be allowed. So with Nile, um, Nile does host-based isolation by default. And so what that means is these devices that come into the network, like I said, zero trust is a default position. They're not allowed on the network unless they're identified and authenticated. That's kind of step one in zero trust. Don't allow things to the network just because they found a place to plug in, right? Everything has to be authenticated that connects to a Nile network. And then everything is isolated um, host by host. So for example, if I brought in my laptop put it next to your laptop. We were on the same network together. There is almost no reason for my laptop to ever talk to your laptop. No legitimate reason for my laptop to ever talk to your laptop. I I can talk to printers, right? But I shouldn't need to talk to your laptop. So by default, Nile prevents that out of the box with no configuration required. And then Nile sends that, uh, basically allows you to control um, what is allowed from that point. So now it gives you visibility into what the devices are trying to do. It gives you the ability to inspect the communication between those devices, and it gives you the ability to block traffic even between devices that are on the same network, which is really a revolutionary concept that that no other network manufacturer is doing by default today. It feels like something that's a very bold statement to say that, right? But I think it's true. And it's also like necessary for us to reach this like true digital transformation and actually having secure networks. Todd, thank you so much for being on the podcast. But before you go, is there anything that you want people to walk away with from this podcast when it comes to zero trust? Yeah, the biggest thing is to understand that zero trust is a default position. It, it needs to be built that way from, from scratch. And so there's a lot of architecture. There's a lot of um, pre-work that needs to be done before you implement zero trust on your network. It, it requires a lot of, a lot of building. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, if you want to get a hold of Todd, maybe pick his brain more about Zero Trust, feel free to reach out to him on LinkedIn. We will have that in our description. Um, And Todd, thank you again so much. Yeah, thank you, Elena. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you again on the next shift.